Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And we, we are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe place. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. We're so happy you're here. We're happy to have you. And today we are going to talk about the perks of being multiracial. Yes. Fun fact, Leila. Did yes. you know that in the past several years, commercials and advertisements have increased five times oh. the number of interracial couples and families that they advertise? I didn't know it as a fact, but I have observed it. When I go out, whenever I see like an interracial family on something, uh -huh. I always call it out and I'm like, whoa, look at that. It happens at Old Navy all, all the, time. the time. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, I was reading an article from the New York Times and it does say brands like like JP Morgan, Chase, Humera, State Farm, Coors Light, Macy's, Tide, Cadillac, Old Navy um, have all doubled their multiracial advertisements of families and even just couples in multiple situations and everyone's saying it's because they want to reflect modern society mm -hmm. so, yes yeah, society catch up oh, makes my heart happy That's, i know there's a brand called lexapro it's some medicine for something that sounds like a medicine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had this one really caught my eye because it was a commercial of a dad a white father mm -hmm. with his two biracial daughters and it was Aww. just the three of them running around doing stuff and i was like oh my gosh because usually you see the full family mm -hmm. But this was like one dad. I don't know if he's wow. single dad. I don't know his story. But <laughs> it really caught my eye. And I was like, Lexapro. All right, y'all. Doing it. So. You know the ones that really are sweet to me are the ones with the grandparents. Oh, so they'll be yeah. like these old white grandparents with their like beautiful multiracial grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And like the way that they just interact and share. It's like a 30 second commercial, <laughs> y'all. But like I think it's so touching. Going deep. And like the way that they just interact with their beautiful little grandbabies. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh. They love them regardless of what they look like. Yeah. That's beautiful. See? Well, as the fastest growing population, like, corporations are going to learn to cater to that. <laughs> you got to put yes. your money where the people are. And the people are multiracial. Yep. So. I think it's cool that we're talking about perks because I don't want everyone to just think that being multiracial <laughs> is so, like, woe is me. I'm so mm -hmm. downtrodden and oppressed because, yeah. like, it comes with baggage, sure, mm -hmm. but comes with perks yeah i'm sure every racial identity comes with its baggage comes with its perks for us i think one of the biggest perks mm -hmm. of being multiracial once you identify as multiracial mm. that in and of itself is a process yes is a journey you were telling me about an article on medium um, yeah it was super fascinating they related it to like a coming out process of sorts mm. because different people like you can even have one family of like same parents and all the kids look different um yeah. just because they different genes are dominant and others aren't and different mm -hmm. expressions come through and what their experiences are like are different and so some kids look more like one race versus the other mm -hmm. other kids may be the opposite and then other siblings may even just be like a good blend mm -hmm. and so how they interact and how the world perceives them because i don't always like to use the word passing and so how they perceive them and how um, they interact whenever like you change a school mm -hmm. right like some teachers may not 
know or may assume wrong what your racial makeup is and so that's a coming out process in and of itself when you make new friends when you move to new area you get a new job yeah so that's always been something for me it was always roll call in school because i look white ish Mm -hmm. and my first name's elizabeth (laughs) but then my last name was japanese and Mm so they were like I don't get this picture and so then that was a whole explanation or when I say something about like growing up with something Asian and people Mm -hmm. are like what and so even at my current job I just got a new job um and you know now that I'm married and my maiden name was Japanese but my current married name is not Japanese people just assume I'm white and so that I feel like like a secret that i walk around with who do i tell do i want to do i feel like doing this yeah is it necessary is it worth it Mm -hmm. you know all those things to consider yeah and it's kind of like you have the uh, the joy i would say or the the surprise factor to whip it out (laughs) when you need you know (laughs) like if somebody is just like talking about their experiences and then you can all of a sudden identify with that or relate to it you can boom Hey, did you know, by the way? Um, It's so weird. One of my supervisors at my new job, we were in his office, and he had a picture of what I'm assuming is him and his wife Mm -hmm. on their wedding day. So he's white. Yeah. And he had a picture of him at some, like, special, like, ceremonial Asian place with a Chinese woman in a red Chinese wedding dress, or what appears to be a red Chinese wedding dress. Oh, my gosh. And then he was talking to me about, like, he has a daughter and blah, 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 and I was like, oh, my gosh his daughter probably looks like me does he assume and he's waiting for me to like tell him or like i saw the picture of his wife and uh, since it's hanging in his office i'm assuming they're still married Mm -hmm. or (laughs) because she's still alive i know this much (laughs) (laughs) but and so it's things like that where i'm like do i do i want this to be a point of connection Mm -hmm. do i want to be like surprise your daughter and i are both half asian fun fact (laughs) or do i want to just kind of like leave it be you know but i have that Mm -hmm. option yeah and it's there's a lot of flexibility there Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of this whole in that realm once you have claimed a biracial identity or a multiracial identity you have a lot of flexibility Mm -hmm. and i think that is one of the best perks of being multiracial yeah um and actually this is like scientifically proven uh through there was an article by sarah gaither is how i'm going to pronounce it okay uh, current directions in psychological science and they were studying multiracial people and that's uh something they found and when i read that i was like oh yeah like i definitely identify with that um actually happened recently uh i work for lyft part-time it's kind of more of a hobby yeah and i just enjoy meeting people and going out and club hours which is like 10 p.m to 3 a.m are the best (laughs) you meet the best people when they're inebriated (laughs) but i had this um older white gentleman in my car and we were having a conversation he's talking about punk rock and how much he loves it and all of a sudden he goes I assume like you he was like what are, what are you like you're black yeah, right and immediately i was like haha i don't know what you're about to say but i'm gonna dip into my actual 
biracialness. So I told him, I was like, I'm half black, half white. And he was like, oh, okay, you get it. You're an outcast. (laughs) And he was like, just like punk rockers. We're outcast. We're rebels. (laughs) And that's the same. I was like, sir, I'm just trying to get you home, but keep on talking. (laughs) But in that, there was kind of like a safety there to be like, because if I had to just, oh yeah, like, I don't want to say just black in an offensive way, but like if I was like, I'm just black. And then he pinpointed it and he was like, I know what you are. I know everything about you just from looking at you. Mm. Then I don't have that comfort to like explain or just claim myself. And I think as multiracial people, we have the ability to claim as much and as loud as we want when we want. Yeah. So people can't come at us and just say, well, you're just this. Mm. You don't know me. You don't know my history. You don't know my heritage. I am this, this, and this. And just to have those, it kind of feels like you just have those tools in your arsenal to be ready and to use them, whether for a joy, like for a good experience or to defend or to stand up for I really like that I like being able to do that yeah I like um I was reading that article on medium and the Mm -hmm. author says looking like a white woman comes with white privilege but it also comes with the responsibility of making myself known of changing minds and I think that resonates at least I was thinking of that quote when you were ta- when you were sharing that story with me and talking about how you were like, haha, let me change your mind, let me show you something new. And so, regardless of how you look, when you claim that multiracial identity and you do make that known, it is kind of a way of expanding people's minds mm-hmm. and expanding their experience because oh, yeah. the way we stereotype people, the way we categorize people, I mean, the human brain is just pattern recognition machine. Yeah. And so when you can add new data to that when you can stretch their minds like that of Mm -hmm. being like nope i'm more than black i'm black and white yeah so how does that affect what you're going to say about me Mm -hmm. or how you respond or connect or relate with me Mm -hmm. and thankfully it the guy changed gears in a positive way and was like yeah. oh we can connect yeah like, we can empathize with each other because we're both outcasts yeah. <laughs> you like being labeled as an outcast for being like, multiracial <laughs> outcast across my forehead <laughs> right across the throat <laughs> outcast i just love the band <laughs> but yeah i think it's cool that um we do have the power to like play that card in a way that can be positive Mm -hmm. and there is a cool sense of control over that in different ways Mm -hmm. um because i think multiracial isn't everyone's go-to when they see someone Mm -hmm. um i think people's go-to are either or rather than both and yeah and so to be able to make both and more of a common option for people and more of a Mm go-to i think is really cool yeah i agree and this is kind of in that realm i don't know if this is it feels like a perk to me i don't know if it would feel like a perk to everybody else right and this is where multiracial community you can let us know on twitter and whatnot or email but um something about not fitting perfectly into any one space mm-hmm. kind of i kind of feel like i can slide back and forth between different spaces and I already have like just a level of uncomfortability uncomfortability it's a word now 
<laughs> I already have a level of uncomfortability, like, in my day-to-day interaction. So I think sometimes when I go into all, like, a monoracial space and I want to incorporate something or diversify it i think i have a little bit more courage going in Hmm. to do that now sometimes it's not out of a great place sometimes it's out of a rebellious place (laughs) but when it does come from a place of like i want you to see another side of the world like or i want you to understand a different perspective than what you've heard your whole life that's when it's really beneficial and i don't know if everybody else can do that like i don't know if monoracial people can go into each other's spaces and feel I don't know like safe if they can feel that boldness or if they just feel like they're intruding you know i think it's a mixed bag oh that was not a pun intended (laughs) i think leaving it in (laughs) i think it depends um because different monoracial people will go into each other's spaces and when you have a mixing of cultures just in a room Mm -hmm. of monoracial individuals like will talks all the time about being the token black guy in Mm -hmm. a room and how people just turn to him to be the spokesperson and i i hear that a lot from some of my minority friends who Mm -hmm. are monoracial and they'll say how they feel pressured to be a spokesperson Mm -hmm. um and so they feel pressured to add and insert the diversity very overtly into a room rather than just being there and that's not in every situation but Mm -hmm. at times it's it's an shared experience of of among some of my minority friends and so i think it's different when it comes from a multiracial place Mm -hmm. because our diversity looks different than a monoracial diversity because we have our foot in two different camps Mm -hmm. um sometimes more than two camps you know yeah and so being able to relate kind of like when we were talking about bridge building last week yes um of multiracial people can be bridge builders because they have ties to multiple communities mm-hmm. and even that all the multiple communities like i think that another benefit of mm. being multiracial is diving into those communi- communities because it's not just one sometimes it's two but sometimes it's more than that like it yeah. usually is a lot more than that <laughs> and as we grow and learn in our multiracial identity it's kind of like a book like this huge history book of yourself that you get to learn more about as you embrace those family members embrace whatever culture you're a part of like you just get to learn so much more um and i definitely learned that through uh, 23 and me I did the ancestry profile <laughs> and I know yeah. Beth you have <laughs> I'm very afraid <laughs> <laughs> well hey you're not a serial killer so they're not going to use your DNA to find you like they well, did in California fair. Fair. <laughs> but I did um, 23 and me and it was amazing to like look at the breakdown of my racial makeup and look at my ancestry and know that really I've had family almost on every continent almost um that i have like what what i am now has almost been all over the world i don't know it kind of feels like a treasure map of learning and growing and exploring and finding new things because even when you just think like okay this is who i am when you dig deep into that you find so much more so here's an interesting question a listener asked me how we define race oh lord that's a heavy one (laughs) right and so i think a lot of studies have shown that multiracial people define race differently than monoracial people so typically 
And so there, there are, depending on what literature you read, mm -hmm. different people will define race as either categories of people who share certain physical characteristics and biological markers, mm -hmm. like skin color, facial features, stature, etc., etc. Yeah. Some people define race very biologically. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get 23andMe and digging deep and mm -hmm. looking at our ancestry. And then other people view race socially. And that's when we see the cultural expressions of yeah. different racial groups. And so multiracial people are more likely to see race, at least different survey data has revealed. Is it socially? It's social. Oh, yes. Okay. Before you said it, I wanted to, I was like, I want to say it before <laughs> I get the answer. Yeah, yeah. Socially. Socially. Dang. And so they view race as more cultural expressions rather mm -hmm. than biological factors because they don't necessarily they look like one parent over the other but still mm -hmm. feel connected to those and so what are the connections if they're not physical i yeah. mean rather than like i literally have your genes parent <laughs> even though those genes aren't a dominant expression mm -hmm. in my body but i i'm still connected to you and so you have taught me these values you have raised me with these foods with this language mm -hmm. with um this family and social structure yeah and so I can connect to you through our lifestyle, through our shared history mm -hmm. and our heritage, rather than whether we share the same physical features or not. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think race, multiracial people are quicker to see race as more of a social construct, social construct, mm -hmm. that's the one, <laughs> um, than a racial one. Um, because America very particularly views race as biological, mm -hmm. but Europe tends to view race more as ethnicity. Oh wow! Because in Europe, people t like driving from like France to Germany is mm -hmm. like driving across state lines in America. Like my stepsister is a dual citizen of America and Germany, and so she views herself as very much German. Mm -hmm. She grew up in Germany. Ethnically, she's German. She speaks German. Um, <laughs> and so she's married. She also married a German man, and they have a daughter. And they're living in Spain, but they're still very German. Because mm -hmm. ethnically, like, their ties and their roots, it's all very, like, country of origin. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in America, with all the immigrant culture we have, mm -hmm. it's more of those biological ties. Yeah. But now, as all of these different immigrants are coming to America and having interracial relationships, and we have mm -hmm. all these beautiful multiracial babies... <sighs> Um, the multiracial generation is viewing race as social. And mm -hmm. so I think it's interesting to see how that definition of race is in flux. Yeah. It almost feels, I think, more comfortable when it is social because there's so much offense on either side. And when it comes to racial tension, mm -hmm. and there's, I think there's also lack of responsibility on either side, which is too deep to talk about right now but just to say <laughs> another episode, another I, yeah. <laughs> when you jump into the social aspects of it I think there's more of a sharing there can be more of a connection because it's it's like you're you're I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It's like you bring people into those experiences. You can mm -hmm. like have somebody over for food. Like you yeah. can take them to a play that you like identify with because of your upbringing or something i don't know i'm like trying to verbally process it but yeah. it just seems like that's a more welcoming and warm way to talk about race than like 
if you don't look like me, then you're not me and you'll never understand. But I think we've gotten to a place where we're not even sharing anymore. Yeah. And when, when it's in the social realm, you can share a lot easier. And I think you can open up the doors for just like true, authentic appreciation, diversity, learning, incorporating as many people as possible because there's always more space you know so i'm gonna take this to a very nerdy place Uh, we've been talking a lot about allyship Mm -hmm. and racial justice is what we talked about last episode and what you just described of viewing race solely on genetics and biology and physiology and phenotype is very exclusionary Hmm. Um, it's very closed-walled. Yeah. Whereas viewing race as a social construct, or if we're talking less so either or and more both and, Mm -hmm. viewing race as both biology and society, as biological and social, and seeing race as, okay, I have some of the same genes that you do, as a monoracial individual. I have some other genes in here too, but socially I also share these things. Mm -hmm. So it's okay that I build this bridge over here. Um, We can share these things on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. You know, race is a complex topic and it wasn't really until people started seeing people different from themselves that they really started labeling it as race. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know? And in America with immigrant culture and slave history and racism and oppression mm-hmm. race has been very deeply biological in our society yeah but now as we as the multiracial population is growing and our society is shifting and we are seeing positive trends mm-hmm. like in advertising yeah uh, we're seeing that there are more social ties yeah to different racial groups and that that's okay and healthy in its own way only being a biological definition of race mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of pitfalls to that in society yeah um, and so i'm interested to see how this multiracial generation grows up mm-hmm. and sees race as something more than just biology mm-hmm. and genetics i'm very interested to see how society shifts and grows from that i'm sure there will be i mean downfalls to that too mm. but i think like any spectrum or any pendulum, there is a sweet spot yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah, most definitely. And as this generation grows up too, I just thought about this, like they're probably going to have, like what we have as perks now, they'll have that, but they'll also probably have their own like new sets of perks as they identify younger, yeah. like as they come into that identity faster than maybe mm-hmm. we did. I, can, I remember coming into it, I don't know if I had the language for it, but it was around middle school. When I started claiming, like, I am beige, or, like, (laughs) not just claiming one or the other. So I bet that would happen for them a lot sooner as they see families that look like theirs, as their family, as their own parents learn um, to raise their children to appreciate both cultures. Like, what type of compassion is that going to breed? What type Mm. of just understanding and connection will that have? That's going to, like, that's a world change and stuff right there. That's society changing. like action yeah so it'll be cool it'll be cool to watch them grow up and see what they do i would say another perk of being biracial too i don't know if you've gotten this you've probably gotten this a ton but people love to tell me how beautiful my babies will be oh yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and there are some things that are problematic in that and we'll talk about that <laughs> later but I just love that that people are like you're gonna have such beautiful children and I'm like yes no matter who I marry they're gonna be a nice little little blended little baby oh yes and I know I just harped on genetics for a really long time but also <laughs> genetically uh, multiracial babies tend to be healthier mmm nice yeah um, so in the same way that like way back when in the royal family um, they were all inbreeding so hard that they like <laughs> developed hemophilia in so many of the kids oh, and people died so young in a similar way like multiracial kids tend to have like less genetic diseases I mean obviously they're not inbreeding um, <laughs> and so like they have better immune systems and are less likely to pass on different um, like genetic diseases or illnesses or, or whatnot. Wow. So <laughs> your kids will be strong. That is amazing. <laughs> that is a perk. I am quite healthy. <laughs> so listeners, so listeners, um, well, we want to know what other perks you can think of. What are some strengths? What are some positives to being multiracial? Yeah, we want to hear whatever stories you guys might have. We want to share those experiences. Um, so you can definitely hit us up by email at wearebothand at gmail.com and on Twitter uh, at wearebothand. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to our user who reached out and wanted to know uh, what sources we're using, um, where we find our information, because they just want to increase in learning. We will be tweeting that more. So if you haven't yet, follow us at We Are Both And. Uh, and we're going to share those sources, share some of our favorite readings. And we hope you guys enjoy. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or on Google Music. We also like to give a huge shout out to Key Centric for doing our music. You can follow him on SoundCloud or give him a listen on Spotify. And Skip Scum Productions was the wonderful designer of our logo. Until next time. <laughs>